0: Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. As a lot of you are aware, last year, you know, we had COVID-19, and so that meant that course, aeroplanes, well, they weren't really flying last year. And so if you were like me and you've caught an aeroplane recently, maybe you were wondering, like me, "Mm, what were the pilots doing last year and so I was faced with this you know real thought as I was on an airplane and I was you know obviously sitting in this aircraft and the pilot was in the plane I'm thinking to myself oh my goodness I really hope that this person knows what they are doing that they still remember how to take off uh, fly the airplane to the destination and be able to land this thing safely at the other end without crashing along the way. So what you don't know though is that I had a lady who was sitting in the seat next to me who was also having a very similar thought. Now, I know this because she was very overt in her thinking. So, she's sitting next to me and as we start to taxi to where the plane was going to take off at the runway, she is sitting there and she is doing this, okay? So, she is obviously a Catholic and she starts muttering to herself. So, she's praying and I'm thinking, oh yeah, yeah, okay, like maybe I should pray too, (laughs) okay? Because um, I want to land as well at the other end with our crushing of course um, but it wasn't until we start actually hurtling to down the runway to take off that she does something unexpected she's sitting in her seat and praying still and she does this against the seat in front of her in the brace position and I was like oh my goodness I don't think I've ever seen anyone do this before in my whole entire life so in the brace position we take off fine okay we're all right get to um, the point where we are starting to come into land and she does the same routine. (laughs) She does cross, starts praying, brace position and thankfully we all land. And I was thinking to myself, oh my gosh, does she know something that I don't know? Turns out she did. Um, I found out after we'd landed safely and everything, that um, in fact, the destination that we were going to had a very, very short runway, and only certain pilots are actually licensed to land at this particular runway. And it kind of got me thinking, you know, sometimes situations are out of our hands, okay? I couldn't fly that plane myself, and thank goodness, because I don't know how to fly planes. Um, But sometimes, the more information we know, can get in the way. Okay, so for this lady, she maybe she obviously knew a lot more than I did, and it was kind of getting in the way for her. It was starting to really stress her out, and she started to really panic. And sometimes all we need to do is just trust that the people who are in control of the things that we can't be in control of have got it together. And a lot of the time, we need to do that too in our lives. In our situations, we just need to trust that the one who's in control, that God is able to manage it on his own. And so with that, I'm just going to pray as we start today. God, I just thank you so much for the privilege to be able to bring your word this morning. And I just ask that you would help us all to have eyes to see, that you'd help us to have ears to be able to hear the messages that you're wanting to bring to each and every one of us. And God, I pray that we would all have hearts that are soft to be able to receive from you this morning. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So right now we are in the middle of a series called Attitudes of the Heart where we're looking at how we approach each other and God. And so this morning I actually want to talk to you about something that is really foundational in terms of our relationship with God. In fact, it's so important that the Bible tells us that without this thing we cannot please God and that is faith. So no matter who you are, no matter what your background is, no matter whether you would even call yourself a Christian or not, you still have faith. So for those of you that are here, you're gonna go home later on, and you have faith that when you get there, your house is still going to be standing. If you go out today, you're gonna put your key in the ignition, you're gonna turn it, and you're gonna have faith that it's going to turn on. At some point, we're all gonna go to bed today, at some point, and we're gonna go to sleep, and we all have faith, that we're going to wake up and so you know if we have a relationship with god then we have faith that jesus has the ability to be able to save us and so whatever it is that you have faith in um, we need to trust in god and so hebrews 11 1 actually tells us that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen And this actually starts a passage in Hebrews talking about all these amazing people who had faith in the Old Testament. People like Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, David. And the thing that really stood out to me as I read through this passage was that there were only two women that were mentioned throughout this whole, you know, account of all of these amazing people of faith. And it kind of got me thinking, you know, I was like, surely there are more than two faithful people, you know, throughout the whole time that was recorded in the Old Testament. And we know that there would have been. But the truth is, is that throughout that time period in the Old Testament, it was during a real um, patriarchal time. And we know this because when we read through the Old Testament and particularly some of, you know, some of the books, family lineage is really really important and it was recorded through the men and we read you know that such and such was the son of such and such was the son of such and such and you know you can really you know get caught up reading through some of those family lineages and we know that that was so important and that was just the way that they recorded things in that time and so the fact that these women were recorded, shows that they had great significance and not only that, their stories were actually passed down from generation to generation to generation because that's how the Jewish people shared their stories and so um, if you've ever felt like in your life you've ever been overlooked or maybe underappreciated, or maybe even left behind, can I tell you that you're among good company today because the person that I'm going to talk about felt exactly the same way. Um, She went through seasons where she felt just like this. But she is an incredible woman of faith and also a mother, and that person was Sarah. Sarah. And so Abraham is often the one who is accredited with being called the father of nations. But we can't overlook the fact that he had a problem with this, right? He could not produce children himself. He required a female to do that. And so, of course, he had a wife who did that for him and her name was Sarah. So buckle up because we're going to take a bit of a trip through Genesis and we're going to read about the story of Sarah. The first we read of her is in Genesis 11 and she was known as Sarai at this time and we read that she married her half-brother Abram and the first we read of her is in Genesis 13 It says that she was barren and she had no child. Now, just think about that for a moment. Imagine if the first thing that someone ever found out about you was that you were barren and that you had no children. Imagine if your husband introduced you like that. Hello, this is my wife and she is barren and she has no children, right? But as we come to realise as we read through Genesis, this was very significant in her life. Um, So as a family, they all travelled with their father, okay? They both shared the same father from Ur on their way to Canaan, but they didn't quite make it there. They settled in a place called Haran until their father, Terah, died. After his death was when God first spoke to Abram. And we read this in Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3. It says, "'Now the Lord said to Abram, "'Go from your country and your kindred "'and your father's house to the land that I will show you, "'and I'll make of you a great nation, "'and I will bless you and make your name great, "'so that you will be a blessing.'" I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonours you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And with that, we are told that they left and they headed on to Canaan. So when they got to Canaan, we don't really know why they chose that location, but I guess they were already heading there, so it seems like a logical choice. But... Um, God meets with Abram again and says in verse 7, To your offspring I will give this land. Now that seems a little bit odd because Sarai is still barren, right? So she can't have children, but here God is promising that they will have offspring. In order to um, remember and honor God, Abram builds an altar here at this point and they decided that they're going to continue to walk on until they reach a place called the Negeb. Now this is written in a very short sentence but what you need to know is that that was actually a journey of over 735 kilometres. Okay? Don't know about you, I would not be choosing to walk 735 kilometres. Um, but what happened is when they got there, um, there was quite a famine in the land. And so they were like, oh gosh, there's a famine in the land. Let's go to a land that is really plentiful. So they decide to walk an extra over 450 kilometers to go to Egypt. So it must have been pretty good there, guys, to walk 450 kilometers. Once again, would not be walking that far. So when they get to Egypt, Pharaoh looks at Sarai and goes, oh, she is really beautiful. I'm going to take her as my wife. Now, before you get to upset with Pharaoh. uh, Abram told her to tell Pharaoh that they were brother and sister. Not a lie, it was true, right? So um, Pharaoh suddenly all these bad things start happening to him and his household, all these plagues start coming upon them. He goes, what is going on here? Realises, in fact, they were married. And he goes, okay, I'm going to send you guys away because you were married. And God keeping his promises from Genesis 12.1, sending curses upon people that cursed them. um, Pharaoh goes, okay, I'm going to send you away, livestock, silver and gold, and off they go. So they head back to Canaan, okay, back to where they had come from, all right, really, really big circles. So now they've walked a really, really long way. So while in Canaan, God speaks to Abram again, and now this is the third promise. In Genesis 13, 16 to 17, he says, I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth. So that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can also be counted. Arise and walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So now obviously we know they've walked and walked a really, really long way. and not only have they been through a lot, um, but God has spoken to them many, many times about offspring and promises of land. And Abram is staying to question, okay my wife, She is still barren, hasn't given me a child, but I have some other relatives with me. Perhaps one of them is going to be an heir. So he questions God and says, will Eliezer, my nephew, become my heir? And God responds um, saying that he's going to have his own heir. In Genesis fifteen, four to five, and says, This man, referring to Eliezer, shall not be your heir, your very own son shall be your heir. Look to the heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them, so shall your offspring be. And so after this point, we see that God makes a covenant with Abram. It's the first time we see this happen. And it's done with some animals once again, the first time that this type of covenant is done. And it's a really significant moment. You can read about it, if you'd like, through Genesis. But after 10 years in Canaan... Sarai still had no child and she thinks okay well I don't have a child so I'm going to find another way to solve my problem. So she has a handmaiden and she says to Abram okay I want you to go into my handmaiden once again socially acceptable to have a child through your handmaiden and Abram goes all right sounds like a pretty good idea. Um, She conceives and has a child called Ishmael. Um, Ishmael turns out was not to be the heir that God had promised them. So Sarai, you know, Abram, their plan had failed. The next we read about them is not until 14 years later and God shows up and speaks to Abram again in Genesis 17 and he reiterates all of the promises that he's made to him in the past of land, of nations, of kings that are going to come out from them, of everlasting possession of the promised land of Canaan. And Abraham Or Abram, sorry, has something really special done here in that his name is changed from Abram to Abraham. And this is very significant. And God goes, Look, in order to seal this promise that I have made with you, um, I'm really serious. I think you should go and circumcise yourself and all of the men that are with you. And Abraham goes, All right, I reckon this sounds like a pretty good idea. So off he goes and circumcises himself and all the men that are with him. Um, But. It doesn't end just there. We see something that is never recorded anywhere else in the Bible, and God changes Sarai's name from Sarai to Sarah. And she's the only female in the Bible anyway to have her name changed. And so at this point as well, that God promises them a son. And he doesn't just promise them a son, he tells them that his name will be Isaac. So up until this point, every single promise that has been given has been given directly to Abraham or Abram. And in Genesis 18, we actually see God speak to Sarah. So paint the scene for you. We have three men that appear. Um, They're actually not necessarily men. One of them is God and two of them are angels. And they meet Abram outside their house, which is actually really just a tent. And uh, Abraham, in wanting to really honor his guests, he rushes around to prepare a meal for them. Now, I know know some of you really like to prepare um, a lot of food when you have guests because you don't want anyone to go home hungry but Abraham he kills a calf he goes to get 21 liters of flour to prepare cakes and I'm telling you none of you prepare a meal like Abraham does like there is preparing enough food and then there is Abraham's level that is overkill in terms of preparing a meal so after they realize that Sarah is inside the tent, that they're sitting outside to have a meal, God goes, okay, Abraham, I want to have a conversation with you. And this is what they talk about. Genesis eighteen ten to 15. The Lord said to Abraham, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. We already know that. The way of the women had ceased with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I'm worn out and the Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, being the Lord, No, but you did. (laughs) And... I love that part too. Um, Sarah conceived a son a year later as promised. Um, they called him Isaac and she was 90 years old at that point. And this was 25 years after the original promise was given. The last we read of Sarah is in tw- Genesis 23, round 1. And it says that Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. So in summary... Abraham, or Abram took Sarai as his wife, and after their father died, they decided to go traveling, all right, a lot. They walked a lot. They eventually settled in Canaan, and Abram um, spoke to God, and God made lots and lots of promises about descendants, kings, um, being dusts and stars, and we just know that they're going to have lots and lots and lots of descendants come from them. Uh, Sarai made a few mistakes. We know of Pharaoh and Hagar. They probably made other mistakes as well. Um, We know that both Abraham and Sarai had a bit of a name upgrade. They had their names changed as a sign of the promise. Um, God also asked Abram to Circumcise every single male with them. After waiting 25 years, Isaac was born and after 37 years, Sarah died. So it's safe to say that Sarah's life wasn't always sunshine and roses and at the first moment that we meet Sarai, we know that she is immediately placed in what we would call a cultural valley. For her, being barren and childless, meant that the family lineage ended with her, okay, with her and Abram. Their family lineage wasn't going to continue and we already know that that was so important in that time. And if she ended up being widowed, she would have had no way to have an income. And so what do we do when we are faced with situations that look like they're hopeless? And so today I want to tell you three things about faith that you need to know. The first one is that faith Moves, So for Abram and Sarai, when their father died, God came to them and told them to leave. And so what they did was they went, they moved. And it was when they moved and they used the faith in what God had told them to do, that they took that first step. And it wasn't until after they'd taken that first step that God then came to them again and spoke to them. And sometimes we are asking God to come and to move in our situations. And what he's wanting us to do is take the first step. For some of us, we're saying, God, I want you to come. I want you to move. I want you to intercede in my life. But we are stationary. Sometimes he's calling us to take that first step. What if everything he has for you isn't where you are today, but where you can be tomorrow? I don't know if any of you have ever had a car that's broken down um, and you've tried to manoeuvre it out of the street. I've seen some people try to do this before and it was pretty obvious that they hadn't released the brake. Right, so the car had stopped and they're trying to push it, the car is not going anywhere. Now before you laugh too much, I have actually tried to reverse out of our driveway before without releasing the, ha- um, the handbrake. And I can tell you, I did get out there a little bit. And I think the thing that helped me was the fact that our driveway was declined a little bit, but uh, can I tell you that your car moves a lot easier when the handbrake is off. <laughs> right, When the handbrake is released, your car, that, that thing can move a lot better. But, you know, when the handbrake is off and the ignition is turned on, well, you know what? That car, that thing can get moving. And I think sometimes we're a little bit the same in our life. Some of us just need to release that handbrake, release a little bit of faith and allow God to be able to move us. It's so much easier to move something that is already moving than to move something that is stationary. And so, you know, steps of faith can require us to move from what is comfortable and familiar to a place of unfamiliarity. And this is exactly what Abram and Sarai did. They had to move from their family and their kindred to a place that they had never been before. And so when God spoke and they had moved into their new location, they'd moved on to Canaan, it was then that they promised that they would have offspring in the land. God was saying to go, to take a step, to move. And this process of stepping out and God speaking was repeated over and over for them. And guess what? I think that's what God does with us too. I think he's saying... I want you to move, and then we take the step, and then God speaks. And He says, I want you to move again. So we take the step out, and then He speaks to us. He says, I want you to move again. So we take a step, and then He speaks to us. And it's when we take those steps that God speaks to us again. When we have faith, it causes us to move. First, Sarai followed. God spoke to Abram and said to go, and Sarai followed. But it's somewhere along the journey she had to decide, where her faith was herself. And, you know, some circumstances came along where she needed to make those choices. She had to question her own faith and whether she was going to follow God herself. And for her, this happened when they got down to Egypt. So, Abraham, or Abram, sorry, was the one that said to Sarai, when we get down to Egypt, I want you to tell everyone that you are my sister because you are beautiful. And I'm concerned that when they see how beautiful you are, they're going to kill me and take you anyway. At that point, she could have decided which way to go. It wasn't a lie that she was his sister. But let's face it, when we're weighing up the two, sister marriage, one of them is definitely weightier in terms of relationships. But she was an active participant in that decision. And when she chose to say that she was the sister, she was really saying that she didn't trust that God was going to protect them. Truth is, The faith moves, but fear hinders. And fear held Sarai back in Egypt and hindered her decision-making. We know eventually that they left blessed, that God blessed them, and then when they got back, you know, God continued to speak to them. But Sarai shows that she had doubt in his protection. And why is this so important? Why is this so important? Because if God really made the promise that they would have nations that would come from them, then wouldn't he protect them? wherever they go. This led to what I believe to be one of the lowest points in Sarai's faith, that although that God had brought them out of Egypt and then made these amazing promises, she still had no solution for her barrenness. She still couldn't fulfill that promise that God was giving to Abram. And when we read in Genesis 16 two, it says, And now Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. You see, faith is a journey, and there are always low points. Perhaps that's where you are right now. But if you keep moving the more you move, the more you'll grow. And that's point number two, faith grows. We know that Sarah is commemorated in the Hall of Faith as when we read in Hebrews. And so somehow she ended moving from this very, very low point of faith, this point of faithlessness, this point of crisis, where she is saying to Abram, go into my handmaiden Hagar. She moves from this point to somehow being commemorated in Hebrews. And the great news is if, the, if you find yourself in this position now where you're struggling in your faith, you don't know if God can come through for you. You don't know if he has the answers that you're seeking. You don't know if um, he can answer your prayers or if even he will. Sarai wondered this too. For Sarai, the clearer the promises were that they were given to Abram, the more clearly she started to see herself as a failure. You see, for them, it had been 10 years. 10 years that they had been waiting for this promise of a child. She started to feel the humiliation of not producing the promise. We need to realize that there is a difference between what God promises us and when that happens. And sometimes we have to live with that tension of what God says and when those things happen. And when Sarai had no answer to her prayer, she came to the conclusion, well, maybe I've fallen out of favor. Maybe that was one thing she thought. And how often do we ourselves draw conclusions when we have unanswered prayers from God, especially when we have no idea whether he's gonna come through? How do we fill in those gaps? And this is exactly what happened to Sarai. She was, maybe she was thinking, maybe God's not gonna give me this child. Maybe the promise isn't for me. Maybe I'm no longer fit to be a mother. Maybe this has something to do with what happened when I was back in Egypt. Maybe I shouldn't have said that I was Abram's sister after all. What we do know is after every single year, her hope was starting to diminish. Every year, she no longer had that child that was the promise. And for her, the logical solution was, okay, we have Hagar. And that seems odd to us, but that was a socially acceptable way to have children in that day. So for her, she's going, all right, so 10 years, why don't you go into Hagar? Now, what maybe you don't realise that Sarai was really thinking about was that after 10 years in their culture, if you do not have a child, that is grounds for divorce. And so she's thinking in the back of her mind, Okay, it's been 10 years, so not only have I not produced the heir and the promise that God has been speaking to you about, but now I have the real problem because it's been 10 years, and I know that after 10 years, Abram can divorce me, and maybe the promise isn't really for me. Maybe the promise is for someone else. He can go get another wife, and so for her, she's going, all right, I'm going to solve this problem. I have Hagar. You can go into Hagar, and my my problem is going to be solved, and so... Just like Sarai who in a moment of weakness and possible fear of divorce for her tried to be her own saviour and take the matter into her own hands, any of us in a moment of weakness can try and do the same thing. We can try and make decisions without God and you know the truth is we all need God. The Bible is filled with This is filled with people who tried to do things in their own strength but then realised that they needed God, that they needed God to be able to do everything that he called them to do. We aren't designed to do life apart from him. And this is the gospel message that God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to come and that he could make a, you know pay, make a way for us to have a relationship with him and i know that we have lots of challenges today we have challenges in relationships and you know maybe health concerns and finances but the reality is our biggest problem is not those things, but it's our sin. And the reason that this is our biggest problem is because it has the largest consequence. And it has the largest consequence because the consequence of sin is eternal. And so our greatest problem, we cannot solve by ourselves. We cannot solve it in our own ability. And the only way that that can be solved is through a relationship with Jesus. And so God, he wants to be involved in our lives so much. And sometimes he's the only one that has the answers for us god was faithful with us by providing jesus jesus and he was faithful to sarai as well you know sarai had a moment of doubt and she tried to handle the issues herself she tried to solve that problem all by herself. But can I tell you that in a moment, your perspective can change when you get just a little glimmer of faith, when you get just that little glimmer of hope, you can look forward at your circumstances and into your future and everything can change. What looked like it was not gonna work before, suddenly faith starts to grow in your heart and your perspective of your future can completely change. You know, for all the issues that our heart has, it is still the incubator of our faith. As we read through Genesis, we see that Sarai's doubt led to her trying to solve the problem herself. But faith started to grow in her heart and it started to grow because after Ishmael was born, we realise that he was not the promise. He was not the promised heir. And suddenly she realised, suddenly she realised, I can still become the promise. She can still be a part of that. Jeremiah 17 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and it can lead us into believing that we can handle things on our own but we can grow from where we are. We can grow in our faith and we can grow to a position just like Sarah did where she is now recorded in Hebrews as one of the faith giants and if you're low today you need to know that is not the end of your story. Your faith is can grow, and God has not finished yet. If you live by faith and walk by faith, it starts to become really obvious to those around you. First, you move. And once you move, then your faith, it starts to grow. And once your faith grows, your faith starts to show. And that's point number three, faith shows. In Genesis 18, 10 to 11, The Lord said to Abraham, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind them. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased with Sarah. Now, we know that Sarah was listening in to this conversation, and if it wasn't already obvious to her, she was well beyond the time of having children. At this time, they were old okay Sarah was 89 and Abraham was 99 okay so they were old we already know that she already knows that it kind of seems really obvious but what we have found out here is that they've obviously had all of these promises in the past they know that it's going to happen but now they have a time the Lord has said that they're going to have a son and they're going to have a son next year This next part is really important. Genesis 18, 12 to 15 says, So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? This is so important because it says here, So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, Here, that passage there is talking about, when it says laugh to herself, no one else can hear her. She is laughing internally. When it says, and saying, that is also internal. She's saying to herself, no one else is, knows that she's talking about how worn out she is and the fact that she she can't have children herself. And so when it says that the Lord said to Abram, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard from the Lord? When, when the Lord is speaking to Abram saying that, that is actually all for Sarah's benefit because... Sarah didn't say anything out loud. No one else knows that Sarah had said anything. And so Abraham must have been standing there going, God, what are you even talking about? Sarah didn't even say anything. Why why are you even telling me all this? Sarah didn't Sarah didn't laugh and say any of this. What are we even talking about? But the reason he said that is so that Sarah knew that God knew what she was thinking, that God knew how she was feeling. And the reality is God always knows how we're thinking, how we're feeling. And God responds to us no matter whether we say things out aloud or not. He always knows the intentions of our heart. He knows what we are thinking and what we are saying, whether we say it out loud. And so here God says that He will return to you at about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. Now just before that where it says, is anything too hard for the Lord? That word hard, when you translate it, doesn't mean difficult. It actually means miraculous or wonderful. And so when we actually read that, it says, is anything too miraculous? or wonderful to the, for the Lord. How much faith is in that statement? It's just saying like, Sarah would have been listening to this, this is why English sucks, because Sarah would have been listening to this going, is anything too miraculous or wonderful for the Lord? She would be been listening to that going, oh my gosh, like something miraculous is about to happen. She knows that she's gonna have a child in 12 months and she's probably thinking, How, how's this gonna happen? But she knows now there's going to be miraculous. That it says, at the point of time, I will return to you at about this time next year. We read that and go, oh, yeah, yeah, it's going to happen in 12 months time because that's what it said before. Um, when God was speaking to Abraham and it said, at about this time next year, it meant in 12 months time. But that phrase there, talking to Sarah, it doesn't mean in about 12 months time. That phrase, when it's translated from the original language, actually means at the time of reviving. How cool is that? At the time of reviving or spring. And so Sarah's listening to this and she's going, is anything too miraculous or wonderful for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you at the time of reviving. So now she's listening to this going, I am going to have a child next year and not only is it going to be miraculous because of course it has to be miraculous at this point, but she's going to have some revival happening inside her body. Her womb which has been barren now for 24 years is going to be revived. It's going to be brought back to life. She's going to have new life that's going to come outside of her body that has been dead on the inside that is not being able to produce any new life. She is going to produce new life from her body she's going to be able to conceive these promises that have looked dead in her life for 24 years are going to come out she's going to see the evidence of that after all of this time you know when we have faith God can bring dead things back to life you know when we look in winter everything looks dead Everything looks dead. The trees have lost all their leaves. Nothing looks great. It's dreary. But you know, under the soil, there are seeds there that are lying dormant. The branches are there and they've got buds that are inside them and they're just going, come on, spring, I just want to like burst out. You know, they've got new life in them. They're just waiting for spring to come so that they can show the new life that is there. You know, in winter time, things are happening underneath. Things are happening under the surface. Things that look like they're dead, while well, they're just waiting for their springtime to come and burst new life. You know, spring is only ever one season away from winter. Maybe winter is where you are right now, but spring is coming. God can bring spring from any winter season. You know, relationships with no hope of restoration, God can bring revival to them. If, if you need breakthrough in your finances, God can revive them. If you have a health concern or a bad health diagnosis, God can bring revival to them. God can bring new life to situations. And for Sarah, she had the promise. Now she has the method. Now she has the time frame. And now she really knows the messages for her because God knew her inner thoughts. She knew that she was thinking. She knew that God was speaking directly to her. And now she knows that at the time of reviving, she is going to have this miraculous thing happen. Sarah now has the faith she lacked in Egypt for protection. She now has the faith that she needed for provision when she offered Hagar. And now she fully believes in the reviving power of God to see the promise fulfilled. You know, she had the faith to move earlier, right at the very start when we first met her. And now her faith has grown to the point and we're going to see her faith show. You know, when we live a life of faith... You have something to show for it. For Abraham and Sarah, for them, it was a physical evidence. They ended up having a beautiful baby boy Isaac. And you know what? We see the evidence of that today in the nation of Israel. We saw the evidence of that when out of that baby Isaac came the lineage of our Messiah Jesus. He came out of that line of Isaac, and that's why Sarah is recorded in the book of Hebrews because of the faith that she had in God to. To see that promise fulfilled that is why she is there jesus came out of her lineage and that is why it's so important for her to have had that faith in god you know faith moves faith grows and faith shows and if you move you'll grow and if you grow it'll show you know faith is a journey and it has ups and downs it has low points and it has high points. But your low points, they're not a life sentence. You don't have to stay there. And they really are just a starting point. You might start down here, but you know what? Faith can grow and you can grow and grow and grow. And now up to the point where you, just like Sarah, have a you know massive faith. You end up being a faith giant just like her. So what you need to do is position yourself to increase your faith for God to be able to move, for God to be able to be in you and through you. And when I say move, I'm not talking about moving from Victoria to Western Australia. I'm talking about being obedient to God. What was the last thing that God asked you to do and have you done it? You know, when we move, we are saying yes to God. We are going. When He says to do something, we go, Okay, I'm not going to worry about what my friends think. I'm not going to worry about what they're going to say. You know what, God? I'm just going to have faith that You are going to be with me and I'm just going to go. And when we move, then we'll grow. When we're obedient to God and we move, then we start to grow. We start to believe. We start to confess over the things that are in our life. We start to see God move. We start to feel our faith bubble over and grow. And then all of a sudden, the things that we've had faith for, the things that we've been believing for, start to show. It starts to be evidenced by those around us. And they start saying, you know, what, what's been going on? I see things really changing for you. People start seeing things change in your life. And they say, what's going on? You know, you're so lucky. What's been happening for you? And you say, it's got nothing to do with luck and everything to do with God's faithfulness to me. And they say, well, what happened? You say, you know what? I was just faithful. And when I was faithful, my faith grew. And i you are seeing the evidence of that today. You know, one day what you believe will show and I believe that there are promises that wait for our arrival there are promises in this room they're just waiting for us to come and grab them they're just waiting for us to just pray into them God has things waiting for us and it's not a physical move it's a spiritual one and we know that faith moves in our mind and in our hearts and then it moves in our life and so today I want to pray that you will begin to confess what God wants to really bless in your life. And so we're all gonna stand together today. And if you'd like to partner with this prayer, then I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do that. But I really do believe that God wants to move in all of our lives. And it really doesn't matter where you're starting today. It doesn't matter if you have a relationship with God or not. You can start from anywhere, because God wants to do something. He wants to grow your faith. And maybe for some of you, that just means you need to say yes to whatever the last thing was that He asked you to do. Maybe for some of you, it just means that you need to posture yourself into a position where you can hear God's voice, that you can grow your faith to a place where you're able to believe and confess the things that you are believing for, the things that you're wanting to see God grow in your life. And so if you want to partner with this prayer today, I'll just invite you just to extend your arms out to God. And just, um, you know, you might even want to pray in your own way as I lead you this morning. God, I just thank you so much that you love us. I thank You so much that You sent Your Son Jesus for us, God. And I thank You that in everything You want us to grow. You want to have relationship with us, God. And I thank You that You don't want us to stay where we are, but You want us to move and grow from strength to strength, God. And You want our faith to grow as well, God. And Lord, I pray for anyone today that feels like their faith is low. Lord, I pray that You would just help them to be able to move from where they are, God. Lord, I pray that people's ears would be open to be able to hear Your voice, clearly, God, that they would have the boldness to be able to step out and take the next step for them God Lord I pray that as we are spending time with you that you would help us to be able to grow our faith to be able to confess over situations in our life God to be able to see you move to be able to see you um, change things that look like they cannot change God that you would be able to bring revival to situations in our life God that look like they're dead Lord and for those of us that feel like maybe we are in a winter season God I I pray that you would bring spring to them, God. I pray that you would bring that season where we see new growth, Lord. And I pray, God, that in every season that we find ourselves in, God, that you would just help us to grow from strength to strength, God, to a place where it is evident to all of those around us, God that people can see your faithfulness moving in our lives. And Lord God, I just thank you for everyone that is here today. And I thank you that you are always moving. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.